Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include loan production expenses, my interview with Sir Banks' Johnny Spagnola on the steps companies can take to improve customer experience, and is global unrest helping the Fed? Thanks to today's podcast sponsor, NotaryCam. NotaryCam is a rock star in the world of online notarization and mortgagee closings. With more than 1 million happy customers across all 50 states and 146 countries, they're the true MVPs. The Reclose 360 platform is like the Blue Angels of mortgage closings, handling online scenarios with grace, precision, speed, and confidence. Unrivaled identity verification, Fort Knox-level security, and customer ease make it the GOAT. As I travel and speak with originators, the cost to produce a loan is still a problem. And for some, it's about to worsen. The last MBA's study calculated that total loan production expenses, which include commissions, compensation, occupancy, equipment, and other production expenses and corporate allocations, were $11,000 per loan in the second quarter. Talk of another round of credit cost changes swirl, similar to the end of last year, prompted by Fair Isaac and rippling through the bureaus and CRAs. Any question should be addressed to your credit provider. Most lenders have changed their credit policies and procedures, addressing hard versus soft pulls, and trying to limit trigger leads. Recall that the FHFA revamped its conventional mortgage requirements for the first time in nearly 20 years. The classic FICO is being phased out, with FICO 10T and Vantage Score 4.0 in its place. Additionally, buy-merge credit reports will soon replace traditional tri-merges. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome onto the show Servbank's Johnny Spagnola to talk about the steps companies can take to improve customer experience. He joined the Servbank family in April of 2018 and brings over 20 years of experience in customer service and contact center operations. He previously served as director of contact centers at University of Phoenix for 16 years, and in his tenure there, he oversaw 3 million inbound and outbound contacts per quarter and was responsible for overseeing the contact center operations, rewards and recognition, and leadership development. At Surbank, he's responsible for overseeing collections, learning and development, and customer experience. He's been at the forefront of driving enhancements that improve the customer experience, enhance efficiency, and automate processes, while leveraging Lean Six Sigma methodologies to drive results. Customer experience is a big deal right now in the mortgage industry, and it seems like we're on the precipice of this kind of customer experience revolution, which is great. All my friends that are applying for mortgages... They're, they're enjoying it much more than they would have two, three, five, 10, 15 years ago. It's, it's much smoother now. Technology's really taken over and it's only continuing to improve. So in that vein, I know we, we're hearing a lot about customer experience, but can you tell us a bit more about what that means and ultimately why it's important? This is definitely a topic I'm extremely passionate about, but the simplest way I can define customer experience is it's the overall perception that a customer has with a company throughout their entire journey, right? So that's going to include all the touch points, all the interactions, and all the milestones that they hit along the way. And this one's kind of an interesting topic too, because I hear a lot of misnomers about this. I often hear a lot of folks in the industry talk about customer service and customer experience, like they're interchangeable things, but they absolutely aren't. They're they're completely different. In fact, when you really break it down, right? It, customer service is just a component of the overall customer experience. So like when you think about customer service, generally speaking, right? 
you, you think about like a transactional interaction. So for example, maybe you call into your mortgage servicer. Let's say you've got a question about, I don't know, like an escrow analysis, right? The interaction, it's, it's a one and done thing. Your call is answered. The team member provides you with answers. Hopefully they offer friendly service, right? And that's the end of that interaction and ultimately the end of that customer service that you received, right? But let's play that out a little bit further. What if that servicer, and I know this might sound a little cheesy here, Robbie, but go with me. Let's say that that servicer really, truly cared and they actually went the extra mile and they did that consistently. Like, What would that even look like in our space? And to me, that's really where customer experience comes in. So let's kind of imagine this for a second. Let's imagine that your mortgage servicer actually anticipates your needs. Let's think that they think ahead about how they can set you up for success. Let's think maybe they can think about how they can make your experience as low effort and valuable as possible. And that to me is really where customer service and customer experience sort of divert in that, you know, like customer experience, it's really extreme care. It's that thinking ahead, the anticipation, and it's providing solutions that result in the best possible customer experience, not interaction. And by the way, Robbie, like we, you and I both know this. Customers today, they want to solve problems easily, quickly, and they really want to do it on their own. Like they don't even want to call into anyone anymore. Those days are long gone. So why not embrace that and have a customer experience model that prioritizes the actual needs of your customers? It seems intuitive, but I don't think as many companies are, are doing it as you are over there at ServeBank. What are the ramifications if a servicer doesn't do customer experience well? Oh, I love this question. This is like so many horror stories that I've heard over the years on this. And the biggest thing I probably hear from clients is really that their servicers damaging their reputation, right? Which hurts their ability to recapture those customers, people that they work for years and years, right? To build strong relationships with. It's huge. The next thing I probably hear the most of is around complaints. And complaints is, it's a huge item because really, if you think about it, if it's not handled with that customer experience that we just spoke about, Robbie, in mind, it, it ends up at your doorstep. It becomes your problem. And let's be honest, right? Most companies, they look at complaints very transactionally. So in other words, like complaints are often looked at like this. They're looked at like, there's this complaint, there's this problem. We go and address that complaint and that problem. And then we move on to the next thing, right? The problem solved, right? But not every company is going to care enough to go that extra mile and act as if your portfolio is their own. So you really want to find a servicer or a partner who doesn't look at complaints transactionally, but a partner who cares about your portfolio and your customers so much that they go that extra mile to prevent complaints and instead create raving fans. So it's that robust approach that you can either take with customer experience in mind, or if you don't take it, frankly, those complaints are just going to end up back with your your client. And we absolutely don't want that to happen. Then of course, you've got our favorite topic, Robbie, compliance issues, right? And remember, you and I both know this, controls only work as well as the folks that are performing those tasks, right? And whether they you have a culture of care, it's critical to being fully compliant. So like in other words, you can write as many policies and procedures as you want. You can build as many control reports until you're blue in the face. But Ultimately, your culture is what drives that optimum performance when it comes to compliance. We also hear a lot about inability to manage delinquency effectively, right? 
So along the lines of customer experience, gone are really those pack or pay mentality in collection, right? If you really want to optimize effectiveness there, you should be looking at the customer experience. So believe it or not, like having a servicer who actually takes the time to build relationships with customers, and I'm talking about all customers, not just those that are current, those that are in hardships, those that are delinquent, those that are in active loss mitigation, right? Taking that time to listen to them and really listen be compassionate, go the extra mile and find solutions for them that really fit for them. It's it's critical, right? And not only just that relationship component that we're talking about, Robbie, but also just important to that, in my opinion, it's the need to be forward thinking with self-service elements. So like an example of that might be how you communicate with customers, how you find making solutions low effort, how you make those solutions convenient as possible. So, for example, it could be self-service tools that your customers can access 24-7. They can find their own solutions, and they can do it when it's most convenient for them. And then last but not least, what we hear a lot about is stress. Imagine how much better life would be for you if you can just focus on what's most important in your business, right? And not have to worry about how your portfolio is being serviced. In my estimation, that's the difference between a servicer and a servicer who prioritizes the customer and the client experience. Very well put. So let's be glass half full now. And I'll ask you how Servbank specifically, since that's what you know, how do you all go about delivering on an excellent customer experience? And do you have any stats you can uh, use to back that up? Yeah, absolutely. And I'd love to start off with some of our customer experience stats, if I may, Robbie. Uh, The first area I'd like to talk about is net promoter score, which as you all are probably familiar is the measure of brand loyalty. And it's very, very important to our clients and to us. Our results have been consistently in the 80s. In fact, in last month in July, 2023, we achieved an 84.3 NPS, which we're really proud of. Then we've also measure customer satisfaction. So we've been consistently at 99% customer satisfaction, believe it or not. And that also includes during the onset of the pandemic, all the way through the pandemic and current, and we're only improving there. So we're really proud of that and that we've been able to do that through times when customers were having the most hard time. Then you've got uh, one call resolution, which is a stat that's pretty measured, uh, pretty regularly measured in our industry. Uh, Right now we're at about 92% there. And this is an area we're probably most proud of because let's be honest here, this is the biggest area of opportunity in mortgage servicing when it comes to being more effective. And when it comes to learning from customers and clients, on how you can deliver a one-touch experience. There's a lot of different ways you can go about doing that. And we continue to learn more and more from this metric every single day. Um, But yeah, in terms, Robbie, of how we go about doing that and achieving those results, um, it's, it's really the approach of, you know, how do you gather as much information as possible from your customers? And don't be afraid to include everyone, right? Like we ask every single customer, and I mean every customer for their feedback, regardless of their circumstance. So we're not going to go out there and filter out certain customers to improve our results. Or we're not going to hide from an opportunity to improve. We want all the feedback, right? And then we're going to study it and we're going to implement features, broad initiatives, anything we can do to improve that customer experience. And we're not just looking at this from a are you a current customer? Are you in delinquent? Are you active loss mitigation? Or did you come into us hot and you were angry about something? We want every single piece of feedback. And that's what we pride ourselves on in gathering that. And then the next layer of that is we're going to be really exhaustive with exploring those feedback channels, right? So 
There are a ton of different feedback channels out there that often get ignored because they're not your quote unquote channels. So I'll give you a little bit of uh, more information on that. So we're going to, of course, gather information from our customers' feedback during our interactions with our team members, which, by the way, Robbie, all of our team members are required to gather it on every call. We make that be an important priority. Then we also look at feedback from customer surveys. We look at the feedback from our clients. We even look at all of the social media sites, including the social media sites of our clients. We dig into the data. We dig into speech analytics. analytics, And then, of course, certainly not uh, least of important of that entire list is we talk to our team members and learn from their one-on-one experiences with our customers. Let's, let's face it. They're the ones talking to customers day in and day out. They often know more about that feedback and that experience than anyone else. So we definitely want to tap into that. Uh, but really... I think the thing that I would say is most impressive about the results that we've been able to achieve is how customers engage with us. So last month, we had over 34% of our customers respond to that phone survey. And just so you all know, that's far and above and beyond what the typical after-call survey rate is. So we're at about 6% in the industry when you just look at after-call surveys in terms of how many customers take the survey. And then let's look at all the different survey types that are out there, right? All the different ways you can engage your customers for feedback, whether it's social, email, text, push, whatever it may be. All in, it's only 12.9% on average that customers respond to those surveys. That's really critical for us because we can say with 34% of our customers responding to our surveys, we can say with high confidence interval that this is the experience for our customers across the entire portfolio for all of our clients, customers, and really for everyone. So that approach of, hey, we want as much of that feedback and data as possible. We're not going to be shy about what comes our way. We're going to gather it and act upon it. When you embrace that, you can really get some great results. And ultimately, we talked a lot about customers, but I, I want to talk about your clients. What do your clients expect from you as their subservicer in terms of delivering on an experience with them? That's a great question. And really, it just it comes down to the total package, right? It all ties together. So, you know, I talked a lot about the culture that we have earlier. I haven't really gotten into transparency and partnership yet. So I'll focus on that for a moment. When I say transparency, I mean full transparency. And I mean truly full transparency, meaning that our clients can see everything going on in their portfolio in virtual real time. So we're talking like even down to a phone call recording, down to call notes, down to OTDs, one-time drafts taken within that day, delinquency management, you, you name it. You can see everything, full transparency. And you know we're not the kind of servicer who thinks that we're perfect and we can't learn from our clients. In fact, we're going to take the complete opposite of the approach. Most of our best ideas have come from our clients. I'll be honest with you. It's, it's really that level of care and collaboration with them that we pride ourselves on. And I really think that does differentiate us with our clients. But even more than that, Robbie, earlier, you know, I spoke about the voice of the customer and we believe in doing the same exact thing with our clients, right? Our serve bank operating system, quote unquote, if you will, it, it brings together all of our key stakeholders, all of our key decision makers to understand and solve problems. So I'll be honest with you, like our goal is not to be good or great at servicing. We want to be the very best. And let's face it, you can only be the best if you listen to your clients and customers very, very carefully, and you're really, truly open to those new opportunities. 
So I'd say, in other in other words, we really just put the work into creating excellence for our clients, but we do it collaboratively with them. Johnny, really enjoy this. Thanks for making the time, man. Anytime, brother. I appreciate you. Are we heading towards lower rates? Unrest, usually in the form of military action around the world, usually leads to a flight to quality and investors buy U.S. securities, driving down yields. We're seeing that now. Bonds had a solid day on Tuesday, supported by safe haven trades related to the Israel-Hamas conflict, and some short covering in a market that has been heading mostly lower since May. Yesterday's gains were also supported by a dip in oil prices and comments from U.S. Federal Reserve officials that the jump in long-term rates has effectively tightened financial conditions enough for the Fed to keep its policy rate on hold at the October 31st and November 1st FOMC meeting. Geopolitical instability usually causes interest rates to fall, but the strong domestic labor market is the biggest factor in the Fed's current decision-making, and will probably remain so, especially after September's big payrolls number. A dead cat bounce normally describes bond prices, but it's apt today in describing mortgage applications, which increased 0.6% from one week earlier, according to data from MBA. Later today brings September PPI, a treasury auction of $35 billion of reopened 10-year notes, and several Fed speakers, Governors Bowman and Waller, Atlanta President Bostich, and Boston President Collins. We begin the day with agency MBS prices better by a quarter to three-eighths, and the 10-year yielding 4.56 after closing yesterday at 4.66%. The two-year yield is down to 4.96%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. A little old man shuffled slowly into an ice cream parlor and pulled himself slowly, painfully, up onto a stool. After catching his breath, he ordered a banana split. The waitress asked kindly, Crush nuts? No, he replied, Arthritis. Thanks again to True for sponsoring today's podcast. To learn more about lending intelligence and True, visit True.ai. Make smart lending decisions fast with True. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at Robbie at RobChrisman.com. Visit RobChrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.